Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Brent. Uh, below me on my screen, he's filling in for Steve Sipple today. Sipple looks Sipple. really good this week. It's a lot quieter with Sipple. He's a lot better looking. He's younger. He's virile. Um, he looks great. Now, B-Dub's going to tell. We're going to talk a little volleyball here off the top. Uh, Nebraska losing to Wisconsin, number three, Wisconsin by sweep last night. Uh, then we'll also touch on some football. We'll get into some hoops. Who's played their first exhibition game last night, as well as a busy day yesterday. Kind of a sneaky, busy day last night in the Nebraska sports universe. So well, let's just get right into it. With volleyball, Wisconsin comes in, sweeps, ends Nebraska's 10-match winning streak. B-Dub, I guess what was maybe a couple of the biggest things you, you took away from what you saw last night? Oh, just Wisconsin is still, I would say, definitely the uh... – the top team in the, in the Big Ten. They've won the last uh, two Big Ten titles. Um, you know, they have they have super seniors, and their super seniors are really good. Nebraska obviously has seniors as well, but uh, Wisconsin now has freshmen that are – Wisconsin's freshmen were better than Nebraska's freshmen, I would say. That was kind of a key thing uh, going in. Um, you know, it was, Wisconsin was clearly the better team, but uh, it was two close sets there. Uh, Nebraska lost the first one 26-24 and then the last one 25-23. Nebraska just spotted Wisconsin like like a 5-1 run to start the match just and not even Wisconsin just making great plays. Wisconsin, Nebraska made some errors and then the really disappointing one was in the third set. Nebraska had a pretty nice lead and then uh, Nicola Haynes said they just kind of kind of let off the gas pedal which is really you know disappointing to be uh playing a big match at home and 8,000 fans and, and have that happen. Um, I still think they're, you know, I still think that was the two top teams in the, in the big 10. Um, be interesting. Now they, uh, you know, Nebraska probably wasn't as good as their 10 match winning streak would indicate they were playing. You know, a lot of those teams were the bottom. A lot of those wins were against the bottom uh, teams in the standings. Um, but you know, there's Nebraska still a good team, obviously. And, uh, yeah. they'll, they'll get another big test, uh, this weekend, they go up to Minnesota and, uh, they'll play some more ranked teams. I think, uh, Wisconsin still has to play Purdue twice. Uh, they start to play Minnesota. So there's certainly still chances for, uh, to both teams to, to lose a match or two, but, uh, I still think those are the top two teams in the big 10 right now. Yeah, yeah, you, you wrote some about about serving and just so, sort of the the inability to make that a, a weapon or a, a positive. I guess like how with the stretch of teams that Nebraska's got coming up, how how important is that element of of what they do and how how do they need to utilize it if they're going to make a run against all, all of the good teams that they're facing down the way? Yeah, I mean it's it's right again on uh, on Saturday they play in Minnesota. Uh, they have Stephanie Samady, who is, I don't know, def, probably the probably the best player in the Big Ten. Um, she's unreal how she jumps, how she snaps the ball. So uh, once again, they're they're gonna have to serve well to uh, to try to limit how many how many times she gets gets good swings. Um, 
Nebraska plays Ohio State again. They have great hitters. So, you know, that a lot of teams have good hitters where you're going to have to, to serve well. Uh, Nebraska has great floor defense, so they can – so it gives them a chance. But uh, you certainly uh, don't want to give players like uh, Dana Redke and uh, six-foot-nine Anna Schmreck a, uh, a, clean, a clean chance to attack you. Is that – like – they obviously have Recky and, and six foot nine and all that. I mean, and you can talk about, well, they, you can't give them a clean chance, but how realistic is that? I, when, when, and you've got Nebraska's obviously, obviously has good athletes up, up front, physical athletes, but at, at some point, does it just become Wisconsin's just bigger <laughs> and they're able to hit over the top of that block enough to, to make it easier for them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, going into it that they're going to, they're going to get, get their clean shots and then you move on, but yeah. um, they got too many of them. And then, you know, you know, they didn't they didn't do well enough against the other players either. Uh, Wisconsin had a six foot outside hitter, and she you know still was able to hit off hit off Nebraska's blocks. So, and then you know when Nebraska got some chances from Wisconsin, they just they didn't make them pay for them. They uh, you know didn't pass well enough, so they're sending over easy balls. And then when East, when Wisconsin gets an easy ball, they're going to convert for a kill. You know, a lot high percentage yeah. of the time. Maybe uh maybe sort of like zooming out a little bit, but coming into this year, beat up with all the experience that Nebraska has and all the players back and all of that. I guess how does it does it surprise you at all? Or I guess what 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 have you made of the way that Maddie Kubik has sort of emerged as a go-to type of player? She's obviously always been talented, but what 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 does that look like to you and what does she mean to the this team overall? Oh, I mean, she means a lot. I mean, I, she's had an amazing Big Ten season. Um, start of the Big Ten season, uh, Cook said, you know, I got, we got to pick some, pick some players and let them roll, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know that even she was a lock at that point. I mean, nobody had clearly emerged as a defining player, but, uh, you know, she got a – I think she got confidence from Abe just being chosen, and then um, it's amazing, you know, you can see what – what confidence does for an athlete over the last, you know, each, each week she's got, got more confidence. Um, she's, she's gotta be one of the best players in the country at hitting balls off the blockers. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's shake your head stuff, how she consistently does it and how the opponents know that's what she wants to do, but you know, she still finds a way to get it done. So um, she's done this before she's her freshman year. She didn't have a very good, start to the season, which is more understandable because she was a freshman and then just tore it up in the Big Ten and ended up being uh, Big Ten Player of the Year. But, yeah, it's it's been a lifesaver for Nebraska because they haven't got as uh, as much production from that second out, outside hitter position where uh, both Allie Batenhorst and Lexi Sun have got chances uh, to play and, and take advantage of that. They haven't been as good. So what Maddie's done is, has been a lifesaver for the Huskers. All right, that was good. Be- that was good volleyball talk. That's better than anything we're gonna talk. say about the football. That was better than anything yeah. we'll say about the football team. That's expertise right there. That's 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 real live expertise from Brent. All right, B Dub. Thanks uh, a lot, folks. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Brent. There he goes. Bam! There he goes. And he's gone. And he's gone. Into like that sweet night. night. Yeah. All right. Well, after that, I don't even know how we continue. that's been a great podcast we'll talk to you guys next week yeah that was a lot of fun uh well 
I suppose we can move on to football. They they actually have a game this weekend that we should probably talk about hosting Purdue two thirty. The first is this the first two thirty kick of the year? It is, isn't it? No, they had they, didn't they have one previously? No, Buffalo. Buffalo was a two thirty kick. Buffalo. There you go. Second two thirty kick of the year. First two thirty kick in the conference. Memorial Stadium coming off the bye. Purdue coming off games against Iowa and Wisconsin. Purdue coming off being ranked for about five minutes before they played the Badgers um, last week. The latest, the latest must-win game in a Scott Frost tenure. It's the start of the this this closing stretch that we've kind of yeah. pointed towards all year. Um, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Um, is that that's not the right order? Is it? it might have flip flop Wisconsin? Ohio Purdue, State. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. No, you nailed it. Ah, I got it right. How yeah. about that? Yeah. There you go. Perfect. How about that. Deeply, deeply entrenched knowledge from your boy over here. So. I think, you know, all of us or most of us probably at the beginning of the year looked at this Purdue game and thought, well, they have to win this one because that's going to be the kind of the last winnable game right. um, in that stretch, quote unquote. And, and now all of a sudden it, it looks a lot harder than it did, you know, a couple months ago. Purdue's got a really good defense, uh, top 10 nationally in, in a few different categories, rush defense, scoring defense. Gave up 30 to Wisconsin last week, and I think they're still seventh or eighth in the country in scoring defense. Um now they they put up some good numbers against the subpar competition too to, to help get there, but they're still done. And, and yeah. so it, this isn't this isn't going to be easy sledding for Nebraska, I guess. You know, as you kind of look at this, Parker, what how does it you know how does it shape up for Nebraska? Where does the where does Nebraska need to make its hay if they're going to win this thing? Yeah, it's funny because the Purdue is better, I think, than what a lot of people, present company included, expected this year. Certainly, they're better defensively. You knew they had a really good player in George Karloftis. And then if you just like, but if you want to look at the last four games in general, Ohio State's really good. Nebraska's going to be a big underdog next week. We have plenty of time to talk about how big of an underdog they're going to be. But the final four doesn't actually look quite as, um, I mean, it looks like Nebraska's going to, can be in three of those games for sure. We'll see about Ohio State. Weird stuff happened in college football. Ohio State's also scored 52 or more in four straight games. So that's a, if you take that game out of the equation, maybe like Iowa and Wisconsin actually just with how limited those teams have both been offensively um, both look like slugfest kind of games. Now Nebraska hasn't beat those teams consistently, but you look at this and you say it's sort of the blessing and the curse or the frustration of this year for Nebraska fans in general. I mean, you look at Purdue, Wisconsin and Iowa and you say, Hey, this Nebraska team can beat any of those three teams, can beat all yes. three of them. And then the question is like, what is the likelihood that that's actually going to happen? I mean, they <laughs> could have beat Minnesota. They could have beat Michigan. They could have beat Michigan State. It didn't happen. Could have so, beat anybody they played so far, basically. Yeah. So if you want to look at it from the opportunistic sense, and, and this is sort of the way that Trev Alberts, the athletic director, talked about it on the radio the other night. This is – for as many chances as Nebraska has blown this year in close games, they've still got at least three, maybe four, let's call it three really good ones to prove that they can win yeah. these sort of, you know, knockdown, drag out, slugfest league games. And I just, you'd think that it's going to happen at some point. Um, it hasn't yet, obviously, but even with, the clock sort of winding down on the season a little bit, there's still a bunch of opportunities left for that to happen. 
Yeah, uh, and, and this one is uh, maybe better than most. Nebraska's had a pretty good record. I mean, beat Purdue last year up there and really played one of their better games of the season for probably the first three quarters of that game or first two and a half quarters yeah. of that game, whatever you want to call it. it certainly started well. Uh, scored on their first offensive play after, I think it was, a, was it a turnover or a block? Was it the block punt that was on the Purdue's first possession last year? Yeah. Or something yeah, like that. Anyway, they were set up, they yeah. were set up, they were set yeah. up down deep, scored. They're up 14 nothing, five minutes into the game, 17 nothing, whatever it was. So it's a team that Nebraska probably feels pretty good about matching up against, something they don't feel good about matching up with some of these other teams. It's, it's a team, like we said, coming off two physical games against Iowa and against Wisconsin and, Talking to Mike Carmen, who covers Purdue for the Lafayette Journal and Curl, he said he said Purdue wore down last week against Wisconsin in that run game in the second half. So you wonder kind of where their gas tanks at. They're a little bit banged up at a couple of different areas. Nebraska, they're almost kind of like Nebraska right, uh, was yeah. a couple of weeks ago going to the Minnesota game. Uh, now Nebraska coming off the bye, by all accounts, refreshed, feeling good. Scott Frost has been downright. Jovial, this jovial. Week, when, yeah. when meeting with as jovial as Scott Frost gets. When he was, with today, him. he was as he was talking about. He came up and and uh, Caleb Henry, I think it was, was wearing a um, a Titans, a Tennessee Titans hat, and he came up to the mic and he's like, "Are you a Titans fan?" He's like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Why?" <laughs> and he said, "Like, well, my dad was a Cowboys fan, so I was an oil." And then Frost like started talking about how he like got to go. He went to the. Um, he went and watched the Oilers play like maybe at the, I don't know, he's like at the, at the old like Astrodome or something. Sure. And it's like yeah. watching Earl Campbell. He's like, yeah, you used to be able to smoke in there. So there'd be like, it was really, it was sort of funny. It was just like one of those little moments. It's like, oh, I guess, oh. I guess this is where we're at this week. <laughs> but no, it's, we say this every week, like this, this game is super, I think Nebraska, and we'll get to our score predictions later. I think Nebraska wins this game, but, I think I'm not saying they're going to do it comfortably, but I, I mean, cause it's never comfortable obviously. And, and we all know that, but it feels like a game Nebraska can win and maybe not have to sweat in the last five minutes or, or something like that, or seven minutes, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Purdue can't run it at all. Um, and they're, they're basically looking for reasons to give up running the ball when games start that, <laughs> They, they have David Bell, who, of course, is, is special, who torched Iowa. Wisconsin did a much better job on him, got a little more physical with him. They've got this three-quarterback thing going right now. Um, we'll see three guys behind center Saturday probably. So they kind of do some unique things. Jeff Brome can obviously draw some stuff up. But you look at their offensive numbers, and it's not like they're lighting the world on fire, right. even with David Bell. Like, he's a game-changer, but – the points per game isn't great. The yardage isn't great. They can throw it. They'll, they throw for over 300 a game. Like we said, they can't run it. They, they just – they don't – they're not explosive like, like Nebraska is. I think that's maybe the difference uh, in this game. And, and so, if you're Nebraska, this, this I think uh, probably leads into the hot topic pretty well. Yeah. If you're Nebraska – and we say it every week or almost every week, you want a good start, right? And can you get Purdue in a hole early, make them one-dimensional? But if you don't have that quick start, if you don't go down and score in the first five minutes, seven minutes or whatever, how long – and we'll start, I'll start with you, Parker. How long before you start to get concerned that it becomes, oh, boy, here we go again, and then we're in another one of these close ones? 
Uh, I would imagine that if, if, if you're talking about the Memorial Stadium crowd, it will be like pretty much right away. Um, yeah. Like if Nebraska starts with the ball and goes three and out, it, there's going to be some restlessness. The natives will be restless. But I actually think the answer to this question is not for a long time. Like, well, maybe into the second half, because we've seen it. We saw it last uh, two weeks ago against Minnesota in the last game against Minnesota. Nebraska really couldn't have played a lot worse early in that game. They gave up the two long touchdown drives. Um, they went three and out in 45 or 52 seconds in their first possession. And even still, what's up, Gus? Uh, even still, there, there's been – they had every opportunity to take control of that game in the second half. And one of the things I thought was interesting, Frost has made this reference a couple of times this year. He said, if we weren't, if we weren't ready to play against Minnesota, we wouldn't have come back and gotten back in the game the way we did. And that, that really, for the most part, that hasn't, Nebraska's problem hasn't been staying in the fight. It's just yeah. been that they haven't always done their work early enough in the fight. So I guess, you could take that as going against what I just said. But to me, I think Purdue's not the type of team that, that can go run the ball and sit on the clock the way Minnesota did. So I think if you get down early, you just keep swinging and, 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 and sort of trust that it's going to come around at some point. Um, but that certainly, Baz, is not the way that Nebraska wants to play on Saturday. No. No, and I, I tend to agree with you, I think. The problem is if you get down early, if you're Nebraska – does it start to compound and you, and you, you, you try to do too much on offense and you start giving a, a poor offense, more opportunities and you start giving David Bell more opportunities and Jeff Brown more opportunities to maybe draw something up or, or maybe you have a defense that thinks it needs to go make a play. And all of a sudden there's David Bell in single coverage up the sideline, you know, the chance to extend the lead. So yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I don't know that that the concern will be right away, you know, mid second quarter or whatever. I think it probably goes into the second half because I don't feel like Purdue's just going to has the, has the explosiveness to run away and hide. And they certainly don't have the running game to bleed the clock. So I'm, I'm with you there, but you can see, you can see why the concern is palpable. It's for everything you said, because it's happened how many times this year because Purdue's got a guy uh, that, that Nebraska doesn't have on offense, a first rounder and David Bell, and they've got a guy on defense that Nebraska doesn't have uh, a first rounder. So it, you can see why the concern would be real and why there's a, there'd be a good reason for it. But yeah, it, this is a game that I think it's not going to be real crazy one way or the other. I don't think either team's going to come out and run the other one off the field. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this goes into the second half before you start seeing real concern after Nebraska doesn't start. It's back. interesting because you want, this is a game where like we we've talked about this as being a potential sort of like pass rushers delight type of game for Nebraska. Like the Pat Nebraska hasn't, they're, they're near the bottom of the league in sacks, but you know that Purdue's going to try to push a ball down the field. The thing about this type of game is you don't want to get in a situation where you have to take risks defensively. Because that's sort of like you say, that's that's when a guy like David Bell gets you. I mean, the reason part of the reason why Nebraska's this is a similar, not fully, but similar defensive game plan to like Oklahoma, where they went into that game and they said, we cannot give up big plays. We cannot yeah. get over the top. And they were really effective in playing top down. Part of that's because they didn't get behind. You know, they didn't fall way behind where you have to 
you like, hey, we got to get it. To, we, we've got, you know, of course you want to, but the more that they can play help over the top of David Bell, the more that they can play top down and not feel like they really have to press the issue and sort of let the pass rush opportunities come to them, the better off you're going to be. And that that is most likely to happen if you can play from ahead, you know, where you're, yeah. where you're the other team's pressing instead of you. So that's sort of the, that seems like sort of the cat and mouse game uh, in terms of trying to limit what David Bell and then Payne Durham, Payne Durham's a really good tight end, you know, yeah. limit sort of what those guys can do in the passing game. Yeah. And again, Nebraska did a pretty good job of that last year for the most part. David Bell had an eight and nine yarder, but it was because Nebraska had two guys basically yeah. and collide yeah. in midair and take each other out of the play. I think so. Rondell Moore have like 13 catches for 74 yards. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a bizarre number. Yeah. They, they did a, they did a really pretty good job defensively last year. And you would expect a similar type of game plan this year. Okay. Well, that moves us on to Scott Frost. Like we said, the jovial Scott Frost met with the media. Today, um, there was a kicker competition, four kickers involved. I was one of them. Uh, for yeah, disclosure. yeah, so was I, actually. Um, yeah, there was two of us. That, that tells you where the kicking situation's at yeah. for Nebraska right now. Um, we know Ramir Johnson's going to be back. He's cleared protocol. Uh, Ryan Heldkind told us that Tuesday. Scott Frost just kind of confirmed it, but also said they don't really know what the rotation will look like behind Ramir. Um, so some, I thought it was just interesting reading through the, the rapid that you put up, Parker, just – they had a four kicker competition nine weeks, 10 weeks into the season. And you see why, of course. And just a, there's still, there's still things about this team that are unsettled, even coming out of a bye, even getting ready to face the, these final four games. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a kicker. I mean, that that's a, you know, I was curious there, there weren't many, there's not many spots on the roster where, you know, they sort of made their move on the offensive line earlier in the season. And then obviously Teddy Haska got hurt as he was playing well, you know, true freshman and all that. So that was unfortunate for them. But kicker really sort of seemed like the spot to me and maybe the number two running back, which we can talk about a little bit, as the spots where it's like maybe something substantial will change. Now, I, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. It's, it's very possible, you know, Connor Culp, for as much as he struggled this year, has held on to that job largely because – the other options are not not just like young guys, but extremely unproven. Mm-hmm. So I think there's every opportunity. In fact, I'll be I guess I'd be mildly surprised even still with a competition if Connor Culp didn't doesn't ultimately hang on to that job. But it's really hard. I mean, against Minnesota, they set their strategy in the second half once they got back into the game. Uh, in to tr- in terms of like they set their strategy with trust in Connor Cole, in, because they ca- they attempted a field goal down five in in the third quarter, and the thinking was, well, it's twenty seven yards and right down the middle, we're moving the yeah. ball, so let's take three, and then we'll get back down here, and trailing by two, then you can take the lead with another field goal. Yeah. Instead, he pushes a twenty seven yarder right. Now you're not not only are you not within a field goal, but you don't trust him the next time you're down there. And so it's really kind of a this was the bye week was the chance to really take a close look at the place kicking position and say, given where he's at physically and mentally, is that the guy or do they have to try to do something else? They at least explored that question. We'll see yeah. what they decide the answer is. I think I think they go with a new kicker. Uh, 
yeah. Saturday, at least at the beginning. I, I, here's what's going to happen. Um, they're going to trot out a new kicker. Something catastrophic will happen. It will get blocked, returned for a touchdown or whatever. It'll be an Oklahoma situation. And then Connor Colt comes in the second half and, and makes a couple. That's that? um that that would be I don't I, I can't even think of what sort of like prize I could give you if you nailed that one. Just like uh, that, that would be impressive. It's interesting <laughs> because like you you gotta put yourself in the real game situation, right? Like I mean. Okay, so yeah. if it's 0-0, you're late in the first quarter, teams have traded stops, you stall out, and you've got a 39-yarder from the hash to try to put the first points on the board, like, that'd be a heck of a spot to roll Kellen Meyer out there, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you like, go, and kid. I, you, you balance that, though, against whether you trust Connor Colt to do it at this point. And, like, I, yeah. I don't – I hate to – I hate to – I don't want to make this sound like piling on Colt. I mean, he's – it's obviously been really rough on him. You feel bad for him. And he's, yeah. he's come out and he, he talked to us after the Minnesota game. You could just tell what a toll it was taken on him. And so it's not, this is not to like, you know, disparage the kid or anything like that. Yeah. It just is, that's a decision. That's a big time decision of like, and it will tell a lot about where they think not only Colt, but the other guys are at based on how that plays out on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, another position to keep an eye on not necessarily a starter. We know who the starter is going to be Ramir Johnson, but who's, who's the next back in uh, after Ramir Johnson, you know, is it Jock as is Marquis step healthy? Is it Gabe Irvin? Does he get his shot? You know, again, still almost head shaking that we're at this point in the season, you know, I can, and I can think back to the week of the Illinois game. And even before where all we heard was we need, we're going to find one guy and, and he's going to be our guy and he's going to be our workhorse. And here we are nine weeks in and you maybe found a guy, but you have no idea what you've got behind. And, right. and it's just, you just kind of shake your head at it. So I, I don't know, Parker, you probably know better than I do is, is Marquis steps situation one where he's going to be able to, to get on the field Saturday or do we know? We'll see. I mean, I asked Ryan help because a few weeks ago, Frost had said he wasn't sure that step was 100% healthy yeah. after the toe injury. But, you know, they wouldn't – they brought him on the road. He, You know, he's traveled with them all the way, and they wouldn't – he wouldn't bring a guy if he wasn't physically capable of playing. And, and Ryan Held sort of said that on Tuesday. He said it's been really just more about consistency. And so, I, you know, the thing about each guy has had their issue. I guess, like, it's never this simple, right? But if you were to boil yeah. it down to, like, a very uh, generalized thing – Step struggled in pass protection early in the year. Um, mm-hmm. Savion Morrison really surprisingly has struggled to catch the football. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jacquez Yant is just, you know, he tripped on the fourth down. He went the wrong way and uh, against Michigan, ran into Adrian Martinez on a second and short where Frost, they were set, thought, thought they were set up really well. It was the only possession of the second half uh, in the first five where they didn't score. So they've each just sort of had their inconsistencies. And so I, I think it's a real toss-up. Like, I, I actually wouldn't – I can't say I'd be fully surprised if the bye week they look back at it and they're like, okay, let's try step again. Um, but that's certainly not a guarantee. Yance been yeah. the second guy in the last couple of games. So I, you can make an argument for any of the three of them. And they just really – it's not just about Purdue. Like, if they find a guy who can consistently be the number two back behind Ramirez for the last four weeks, they're going to be in much better shape. But so far that's been, 
wishful thinking more than anything else. Yeah, it's it's almost like the kicking situation, right? Just kind of a different version of it. Just like who yeah. do you trust at this yeah. point to get yeah. the job done? So, all right, should we make a couple of predictions so we can talk some hoops and, and get on Let's out of here? Let's. I'll do. uh, Nebraska wins. I'll go first. Uh, if this plays into my kicking scenario that I that I hatched a, yeah. a few Love minutes it. ago. Um, I think Nebraska wins 27-17. Um, I think Purdue locks a field goal and returns it for a touchdown. Let's go. Uh, for one of their scores, I think uh, David Bell catches one, not necessarily a long one, but I think he scores for the two touchdowns. They had a field goal. And I think Connor Culp comes on in the second half and, and makes a couple to kind of keep it comfortable. You know, I think I think Nebraska does score early. Um you know, maybe gets up seven nothing, ten nothing, and then from there, it's just it's two teams, two evenly matched teams playing. So, give me Nebraska twenty-seven seventeen. I've been this more than any other year. I've been I've been wrong about Nebraska a lot um, this year. It's been hard to get a just a. They've been you know part of it's because of the close game thing and all that, but it's just been it's been a little bit hard to get a read on on when they're going to come out and play well. They have for the most part, but. Um, obviously not enough or three and five. The interesting thing about Purdue Baz, is that since they opened, you know, they, they beat up UConn on September 11th. And since then they've scored 13, 13, 13, 24 and 13. So I feel yeah. like I'm bucking the trend a little bit to not pick Purdue to score 13 points. Um, I'm going to pick Nebraska in a close game for some stupid reason um, that this is the day. It's going to, it's got to happen at some point. And I'm not, I don't think like, I don't fully subscribe to the theory that like all they need to do is win one close game and then magically they'll just be off and running. Um, So it's not that, but I do think Nebraska will find a way to win. I don't think it will be comfortable. Uh, I'm going to pick it slightly higher scoring than you and say Nebraska 27, Purdue 26. Nebraska football. I don't think it'll be comfortable. That's the slogan of the, that's the slogan of the year so far. Yeah. All right, let's talk some hoops. Hoops. Get out of here. Huskers played their – Husker men played their first exhibition last night, beat Peru State. Uh, I already forgot the score, 97 It's a long flight from Peru. That is a long flight from Peru. You wonder what kind of mileage they got on the old credit card for that one. Um, Fred Hoiberg said it last night. They got exposed in a couple areas. And, yes, it's the first exhibition game. It's new guys and, and all this, but – they, they've got some issues rebounding the ball, and that's leading to issues uh, with perimeter defense. And if you're struggling to rebound the ball against Peru State, how's it going to go against Purdue and Illinois and Wisconsin and Michigan? They, they've got to get better there, and they're going to get another quick chance here Sunday against Colorado, who was a really good team last year and is bringing a strong freshman class. So – I thought it was it was interesting for a lot of ways. We kind of got an idea of what the rotation might look like, or at least what it looks like right now. Um, that those top nine guys and, and a couple of the guys that are kind of the outside looking in, and in uh, Eduardo Andre and Kobe Webster, and guys that played a lot of minutes for you last year. Kobe Webster started the last five games last year. Right now, he looks like tenth, eleventh, twelfth guy right now. So, what you would think would be good. What you would think would portend like good things, right? If you had a guy who yes. was contributing last year who now is further down the rotation. They have they have a lot of talent, but it's really young. I think Keon Edwards is a really good player and he's kind of he's in that top nine right now, but he's young. You know, Kisi Tominaga is playing his first major college basketball. 
Uh, same with Bryce McGowan's, the five-star freshman who who had a couple moments last night, but you could tell it's still a freshman, still looked a little tentative in a couple spots. I thought just kind of working the the nerves out, working the rust out. Wilhelm Breidenbach, kind of that same thing, you know, a guy that's that's clearly in the mix. So yeah, I think look, their depth and their talents much better. But if, if they can't rebound and if they can't be more physical, you know, that's going to be an issue. And I, I, one play is stuck in my head. Nebraska had all five defensive guys in the paint last night and a Purdue guy came in and got that offensive rebound and kicked out for a wide open three and they made it. And that, that's basically a guy going one on five and getting an offensive rebound against you. So they, they've got some things they need to clean up. And it, like Fred Hoiberg said, it helps to get that stuff on film so yeah. you can show it to your guys and see this is what we're talking about. You got to be more physical and they'll get better at it. But rebounding has been something that's, that's been a bugaboo for this team in, in Fred's first couple of years. And right now, I think if you're looking for concerns, that's probably at the top of the list because that can, that can kind of, that can kind of bleed into everything else. When Nebraska rebounded it, they got out in transition. They looked pretty good offensively. This team's going to be able to score. There's no doubt about it. It's as good a shooting team as Fred's had since he's been here. I think it's as good a shooting team as Nebraska's had in a lot of years. So it was, it was good to see him in that atmosphere last night. It'll be, I think, really fun to see him Sunday uh, against a really good Colorado team. Should be a little bit better crowd with the 11 a.m. tip. There's not a volleyball match going on. It's Halloween. You know, you'll probably see some some spookies and some scary show up oh, yeah. in the crowd. So that'll that'll be a better a better gauge, I think, of where Nebraska's at right now and where they need to get to before November 9th gets here and they open the season against Western Illinois. Okay, I, I got a question for you, Beth. So last night, the okay, was the starting lineup? It went McGowan's times two, Wilcher, Lat, and Walker. Was that was that the starting five? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So can they when if when they roll out and open the season? Is Alonzo Verge really going to be a sixth guy, or is he, or, or like does he need to be running the show, like as a as a starter as the year goes on? Yeah, he'll be starting, um, and he'll probably start Sunday. And Fred Hoiberg said as much. That was okay. just the decision that, that Fred said he made last night to start Wiltshire over over Verge. But look, yeah, like it's clear, like he's he's the guy, right? And. and Trey McGowan's has experience, Lat has experience, Derek Walker has experience, but they look different when, when Alonzo Verge is on the floor. Right? And that's a guy that's done it in the Pac-12 for a few years. He's got no fear. He's he's got great vision, um, great quickness. He makes really he's a really good decision maker. He can get into the paint, but he's under control in the paint for the most part. He knows how to kick it out and find a guy. He found Derek Walker. I think his first four possessions were pick and rolls with Derek Walker, and he, they got three layups and a foul out of it. So, you know, it's just – it's that kind of – that kind of pace, that kind of vision. They just look different when he's out there. So, yeah, he's, he's the guy that's going to play a lot of minutes for him. And, and if you're looking for positives to take out of last night, boy, Lonzo Verge looked look really, really yeah. good. There you go. Well, you pick you, – you are, you are raising your son to be just like you, Baz. He, he piped up right when we started talking about ah, There you go. Yeah, he's on the, he's on the baby monitor right now um, <laughs> waking up from the nap. Waking so. up from the nap. Yeah, so it's about that time for me to go get him. Uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll have more for you next week. Stay tuned to HuskerExtra.com for all your coverage leading into Saturday's game, and we'll talk to you next week.